0: This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled upon the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors.
1: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now get 15% off your first order at burrow.com/acast. That's 15% off at burrow.com/acast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Hello people, you'll hear that I'm not in my kitchen today I am actually crossing London in a car As we are recording today's episode of Comfort Eating At my guest's house As they have a tiny little baby Apparently you can't leave them on their own all day Anyway, I'm just wolfing down some watsits And uh, a delicious can of iron brew To get my energy up As today I will be chatting to the ray of sunshine that is Laura Whitmore she really is the host with the most she has a Radio 5 live show a podcast and she also does a little show called Love Island she lives with her husband the comedian Ian Sterling and I am so happy to be being welcomed into her home today Laura is a really massive name in TV, but there's lots of things I don't know about her life outside of the public eye. I think we're nearly here, actually. Mm. That's so good. What's it's just always hit the spot, don't Mm. Mm! Just poured iron brew right down my face. Look at it. I can't turn up at Laura's house looking like this. Have you got a wet one? <laughs> Laura Whitmore, welcome to Comfort Eaton. Thank you, Grace Dent. I always like it when I see you at an event because it's somebody that I can actually talk to. Oh, thank God. I think I met you at, was it a Jamie Oliver thing? Oh my God, Do
2: you remember yes. that?
0: Yes, we met at a Jamie Oliver party. And I think, I think
2: I did that thing when, you know, you're over, too over familiar with someone because you recognise their face. <laughs> and I was
0: like, hi, how are you? And I think it was only about 10 minutes in I realised, oh, I don't actually know, Grace. <laughs> this is where I get to find out what people really eat behind closed doors. Now, I'm dying to know, what have you got for me today? There doesn't seem to be much being made in the kitchen, I'm going to say. <laughs> the delicious aromas are, are, are not happening. <laughs> What's going on? What what are we going to be eating today? I think with comfort food. Yes, yeah, hold on, till I get it out? I can't see it is. It is. <laughs> is there anything? You know, can I just
2: say, right, when I was asked about this... This isn't what I initially suggested, because I thought this was quite a normal thing. You don't smell anything because there was no cooking involved. So it's like snacks. You know those things when you're at home, and you're like, mm, I want something. Do
0: You know, it feels like there's a lot of apologising happening already I just, before you've got You know got what? I wanted to set the like, scene,
2: Grace. I <laughs> set the scene. I'm home alone. I want to eat something now. And you know from all the parties, I'm still giving a story before I show you. Sometimes you get canapes. And I remember when I was a kid, I thought canapes were so fancy when you'd see them in films. I mean, so are. I kind of used to make my own canapes. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> so, I'm not done yet. So, I've got a raw mushroom here, right? And what you can do is, you can take the middle out, like so, the little stalk. We've got some squeezy real mayonnaise. And then you can squirt ah. it. Ooh, oh, my <laughs> excuse, God. Excuse, pardon me.
0: That was actually Laura. That <laughs> wasn't the mayonnaise. <laughs> like
2: that, right? And you can keep this. No. And you can put it back in like that. Ah. And then you can, you can take it rid of it and just do it. Ah. Mm.
0: That is beautiful. Okay. Now, I didn't know this was a weird thing. I feel like I want to get a social worker. Are you alright? Like <laughs>
1: well, You're literally- me to make
0: now this if you haven't worked out what's actually happening, <laughs> Laura's just brought a, a punnet of raw mushrooms. She's taken the stem out of one and filled the hollow <laughs> up with mayonnaise and then stuck the stem back in. Never in my life have I ever seen is anything that like that. So this is the part of the show where I usually test and taste. <laughs> Give do it I, a go. Give it a go.
2: Give it a go. Go on. It's
0: cold. Yeah, it's, fridge, yeah, it's raw. It's fridge cold.
2: It's got to feel your hairs in your chest.
0: <laughs> it's mayonnaise, Laura. Do you not like
2: mayonnaise? I do. I love condiments. <laughs> do you not like mayonnaise? Do you not like? Do you like mayonnaise? Do you like mushrooms? Why wouldn't you like both together? When did you start eating these? I think I was quite young, <laughs> coming home from school. Maybe wanted a little snack. Uh, Never really liked sandwiches, um, so it was my version of canapés. So I might go in for another one.
0: Oh my god, you're having another one? Actually, voluntarily.
2: I see. I just think this is normal. So maybe I might be living my life wrong. <laughs> you don't have to wash up afterwards. <laughs> there's no dishes and you pop it in there if you want you can sprinkle a little bit of cheese on top and I just have it as a little snack in between and I think again it just looks fancy it looks it looks it almost looks, do you know when you stuff tomatoes with things
0: it's the fact that you keep saying it looks fancy <laughs> and it looks fancy do you, do you know like you could have a tray of that at a dinner party do you know welcoming people into your home you cannot have a tray oh of these God. at a dinner party So this is a podcast um, all about comfort. Mm. Now, uh, I've been upstairs uh, Mm -hmm. to use the loo Mm -hmm. and you've got a TV in the bathroom. Is that why you were in there for about an hour?
2: I was a bit worried. (laughs) What is she doing in my toilet?
0: (laughs) Um, You're the host of the UK's most talked about reality TV show. Is it reality telly that you watch?
2: I love reality TV. I'm a huge fan of... um, Like The Housewives, of, no matter where they're from. I watched the Jersey one, which is like the UK less showbiz version of it. Brilliant. Obsessed.
0: You know, I like The Housewives because I think it says so much about female friendship. Do you know what? It does. I think it's not as throwaway as people think.
2: But I think that for all reality shows, and I've spoken about Love Island in that regard, before I even worked on the show, I remember once my mum, I think it was season three she started watching it because... um, Ian, I was dating a guy who was doing the voiceover. She was like, I want to see what he does. I was like, oh God. So she watched it. And then my auntie Anna started watching it. And then a few of the aunties were watching it. And then they used to have calls about the show. And my mother, she put it really well once when she said, it's like, it's a really good insight into people and relationships. Mm-hmm. Women are manipulative. Men are just stupid. Um, even with Casa Moore, which is when the guys go away and there's other girls there. It happens every year and, Mm. you know, every year and working on the show now, they say, that's really mean you do that. And like, we don't tell them to go off with another girl. It happens every year and every year some guy messes up and it's just an insight into into men, into women. And not saying everyone is the same, but, you know, just the different types of relationships. There is unrequited love, Mm. there's friendships there, there's bromances um, and there's girl code and bro code and you're right similar with the housewives there's definitely insights that we can learn about it's not just completely fairy tale
0: so you're in the bath (laughs) you're watching reality television do you take snacks into the bath yeah well i don't know if you
2: noticed but there's a slab of wood across the bath and it also has a little holder for a glass of wine or a cup of tea now when i go into the bath i can be in there for over an hour um, I once had a Chinese takeaway in the bath and I remember when I was emptying the bath out, there was bits of rice in the drain. <laughs> Not ideal. Pulling hair out and the rice. Beautiful. Um,
0: so, yeah, I'll bring snacks in there. Mm-hmm. You've, you've actually taken a Chinese takeaway into the bath?
2: Yeah. Do you know what works well in the bath? Um, raw mushrooms because they float.
0: You've got to let that go. Honestly. it's like, You didn't even finish it? Has anyone other than you ever finished one of these in front of you, though?
2: I've never really thought about this as being an odd thing until very, very recently. Ian just kept saying, what are you doing? And I'm like, I really think it's just him who thinks this is weird. But no, apparently this is a, this is a weird thing. I've, just, I've done it since I was a kid.
0: Your husband is the comedian Ian Sterling. He is the much loved narrator on Love Island. Um, <laughs> Did he write this? The much, the much, I'll say this again. He is the much loved narrator on Love Island. But your story starts before the show. You said that Ian was living like a student oh, yes. when you first started dating in 2017. Um, was there a student diet that went along with that? Yes.
2: I feel I'm one not to judge after trying to make you eat some raw mushrooms and mayonnaise. However, um, when, I fir- yeah, when I first met Ian, he was living in what looked like a bedsit. It was like pot noodles, pasta. I think he lived between a Gregg's and a McDonald's. And he Beautiful. said sometimes he would... <laughs> Actually, no, the Gregg's McDonald's was on the same road because he said sometimes he'd get a sausage roll from Gregg's on the walk to McDonald's.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> Make that journey
2: fun. Do you know what I mean? Just to get the get the tummy juices going. Um, so yeah, and I do you know what's been brilliant? Obviously, it was a terrible time, but lockdown made us cook food, and we learned a lot. And Ian is a brilliant cook. Uh, I'm brilliant at eating food, and I um, I think we got better because we always. At things quickly the mushrooms I joke but the comfort food that I could eat quickly so things everything in my fridge was always what can I eat quickly I didn't have time to to put effort into things and um, I think he was the same he's very good at it and he I think he really enjoys the ritual of cooking but everything he had was like quick pot noodles I think
0: men have always got to be a bit if they're single when you when you meet them mm-hmm. have always got to be a bit studenty in that studenty place you know I think that it's and then at least it's change. a fixer-upper. It's a fixer-upper. You know? There's, there is hope. So I think that when you go into a bar, you should always look for the man that smells of washing basket. <laughs> it's a <scent. laughs> Sniff them out. Sniff them out.
2: Also, um, Ian is a touring comedian, so I think he eats a lot and still does, you know, in service stations. Oh, God, yeah. So that's probably where the love of Greggs came from. Um, I actually got him for Christmas. Thank you for Greg.
0: To put into the Christmas stocking, because I thought, you know what, it'll be useful. On Christmas morning, Mm. he opened up a Greg's voucher Mm. from you. Mm. Mm. That's love. Your mum brought you up as an only child in Bray, a town just outside Dublin, and she is one of thirteen siblings. So were they there <laughs> the whole all time? No. The time it sounds like crowd control. <laughs> it's it's strange because there's a juxtaposition between my
2: family, which was my my parents weren't together, um, and I have a close relationship with both parents, but I just grew up with my mum, mm. and I'd see my dad um, every Wednesday and every second weekend. Um, and there was a lovely relationship there and I had a very happy childhood looking back. Um, I think at the time it wasn't conventional. Nowadays, no one's parents are together anymore. But back then, I think I was the only one in school whose parents weren't together. And, um, but you grew up with your mom. But I grew up with my mom. However, then Christmas Day, there'd be like 15 of us around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very close to my cousins. And they were kind of like big sisters to me. And uh, yeah, so I was kind of Christmas- Meant, and, and food and big dinners, kind of bringing yeah. everyone together, um, which was different to just me and my mom in the house.
0: What do you do at Christmas for lunch?
2: <gasps> Christmas is just eating. It, oh, the whole day, there's a lot of visiting. So you go around the houses and you have your bit of sherry and you have like your Pringles and dip and you move along. And then there's the turkey. And my auntie Teresa um, always cooks the turkey, except last year because we were in London. We couldn't go back to Ireland, mm-hmm. which is the first year ever. We actually had Christmas dinner here at this table, Aww. that's a, I don't want to do that again. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot a- of pressure. <laughs> and also, Ian had his. Everyone has their thing. know what the side dishes. So we had about three or four different types of potato. I was lucky that my mom was over here already and staying with us. So we had we had an Irish mammy. So it felt a little bit authentic. Um, but normally, it's Auntie <gasps> Teresa who cooks the turkey, and it's the <gasps> biggest turkey you've ever seen. And then the roast potatoes. <gasps> They're so good. I just feel, not to be uh, one big stereotype, but we just know how to make good potatoes in Ireland. I, and I just grew up that when you would have, it's just in in the house that when mom would cook a meal, you'd have your meat, mm. you'd have your veg and you'd have your potatoes. And even over here now, sometimes I'll just do, I'll put a salmon on or a tuna steak and I'll do a little bit of, Veg on the side. Mm. And if my mom's over, she's like, Where's the potatoes? Because you'd always have potato and like you don't have to have potatoes with every meal. Um, but growing up, that's what you did. Uh, and we did them well.
0: So when you were a little girl and you're saying there's all these aunties and all yeah. these cousins, and you would have to go to people's houses and do all the different houses, going in and making loads of small talk, did that kind of put you in good stead to be in media and be an interviewer? Because you know, you must have been very socially good from an early age. Weirdly, I was really quiet. Oh. I was actually, out of everyone
2: in the house, I'd probably be the... Qu- I always like putting on... With my cousins, we'd put on little plays. And we kind of go off to a room and put on little plays. And there's my uncle's old VHS recorder where we would... We used to do Daz ads. I remember once we got his shirt, we put ketchup on it and I pretended to be, no, Cousin Claire pretended to be Shane Ritchie. And I pretended to be the woman at the door going, I can't get the ketchup out. And um, poor, I don't think we got the ketchup out of that shirt actually, in hindsight. It's still stuff. <laughs> <It's> still <laughs>
0: somewhere. Stuffed <laughs> behind the couch somewhere.
2: So we used to put little plays on, but I was quite quiet. You know, in my own little world, I used to like, you know doing my own little shows and putting little things on just ourselves. But when it came to like big rooms, I, I felt I used to kind of sit back and watch and yeah. take it in that way. So I think when I did become a television presenter and um, do stuff on telly, I always loved drama, but I definitely wasn't the loudest person in the room considering how loud I am now. Did you want to be famous? Not famous, but I wanted to perform. And I wanted to tell stories. I love stories. So I have a copybook of where I used to write stories and I used to make up little stories. And I love the idea of storytelling, be it asking questions like you are now or performing them and doing plays. And I, I love that buzz. And I don't know, maybe there is an element of, That feeling, like I always love live theatre. I love live telly. So maybe it is that feeling of getting something back. And I don't know if that's fame or just the buzz of being on stage or the adrenaline that you get. Um, And I remember mom said, mom is very spiritual. And I think she went to some sort of, I don't know, it was a tarot card reader or something. And they said, oh, you've got a daughter. And I must have been a baby or a kid at the time. And they said, she'll be known from telly. My mom said that when I was younger, so I think that was always in the back of my head. That could I mean I could have been known from Crime Watch, we don't know.
0: It could have been from anything.
2: But maybe that was in the back of my head. So maybe I don't know. There
0: is something nice getting recognition from what you do. Your parents separated when you were little but remained very good friends.
2: Yeah, they were they actually were never together since I was born. So um I, I
0: just thought that's what parents yeah. were like, to be honest. When you and your dad spent time together, where did you go to? <laughs> So
2: my dad had me every second Wednesday. Dad was great. Where would you bring a kid?
0: Well... (laughs) Where um, could you bring them? Did he take you to the play park and then a museum? (laughs) (laughs) He took me to an Indian takeaway.
2: This was at a time, like, in the early 90s when there wasn't a lot. Like, that was quite fancy. There weren't a lot of Indian restaurants. And And also
0: not (laughs) a type of place that you would take a a little kid. You didn't see... Any children mm-hmm. in, I mean, most people would have believed that you couldn't actually give children chilli no. at that point. I'm talking about Irish and British people, a lot of them and in the 90s. you or... weren't your potatoes,
2: your veg and your meat on no, the plate no, at all.
0: <laughs> no roast potatoes. No roast potatoes. So hang on, how old are you and you're...
2: Like, young. Like, I, was, I just remember daddy to always bring me to, like, these places and i go into school and say, oh, I had a chicken tikka masala. And they'd be like, a oh, what? Like now there's loads. Mm. But at that time, that was rare. And dad used to get vindaloo. So I remember tasting that as a kid, my mind blown. I used to go korma, safe. Yeah. Safe. But for a child, that's quite fancy. None of my friends had had like chicken korma at that stage. Or king
0: prawn korma. It feels like Wednesdays were a special time. Wednesday was great. You've said that at school you were sassy i was a nerd
2: i was a nerd i was not cool at all but do you know you're in that group where i look back like all kids kind of have a little bit of bullying but i felt like i was quite safe in that i wasn't cool enough but i wasn't in the complete like i was kind of like a nerd so no one really picked on me because i was too busy staying back to do debate club you, you know, like oh you're kind of God. with my other friends who are all massive nerds. So we were just in our bubble. So we thought we were cool because we had each other.
0: Were you in debating club?
2: Yeah. French, English and Irish. But <laughs> I think I did that because my mom worked and my dad worked. Yeah. So it was more just kind of to fill time after school. So I did everything that I could possibly do. So and what? I loved an argument. But I was quite happy in my, in my ignorance. Like in my little group, we were, I, you know, we were cool. I didn't see any boys to be mocked or laughed at or... have no interest in because I didn't see them for them to like have no interest in me (laughs) they didn't exist so it was before there was no social media thank god and I I always say it's really difficult for young people now because I wasn't invited looking back there was all these parties and people drinking and you know drinking with a bottle in the field I didn't know this was happening so I never missed out on that. These days, you can see if you missed a party. But yeah. na- then I didn't know. It. I missed everything. I missed loads of stuff. I was too busy doing like debating, doing
0: debating,
2: St- or staying back late like to help a teacher. Ugh. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Borough order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST.
0: You graduated from university in Dublin after studying journalism. And then... um, you entered the presenting competition pick me for mtv and you won it yeah you moved to london yeah you start working as a presenter across the mtv network Mm -hmm. how does living in london change the kind of comfort food that you eat london was exciting camden is exciting Mm
2: -hmm. now don't forget I, i did have little tastes of showbiz lifestyle with going on wednesdays to the curry house However, <laughs> I'm going to Camden, the markets, the stalls, yeah. the tasting, I used to, and I didn't have a lot of money then because believe it or not, when you win a competition for MTV, it doesn't necessarily pay great. No. <laughs> There's no. a reason why they do a competition to get the new, new presenter. Yeah. Brilliant opportunity. I, I met, I interviewed everyone. I traveled the world. Incredible. And what I used to do, I used to walk through Camden markets and the, and the stables market and they used to give testers of things. Yeah. You can walk through that whole market and get a full meal without paying
0: for a thing. Just so you know. You can't. <laughs> you you can't. Can, I mean, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and they'd be like, would
2: you like to, tr- would you like to try this um, sweet and sour chicken piece or whatever it would be? And I'd be like, ooh, yeah, mm. And then like the following day, would you like, oh, yeah, I've never tasted this before. And like... Chicken, you say? Fried chicken. I would love to taste it.
0: Seriously, though, you must have been tasting things you'd never tasted
2: before. Just, ch- do you know what it was? Choice. Just choice. Yeah. And and I worked, I actually worked a pretty regular job for a TV job. Um, I worked in MTV, um, the studios, which were, uh, holy cries, and they're still there, and um, and what what a great area, you know, the Holy Arms is around the corner. Mm. And I was that this is at the time of like Amy Winehouse would be about in the music yeah, scene. And we'd be going yeah. to gigs all the time. And um, and like at lunchtime, they'd be like, so what, what are you going to have for lunch? Like, no bloody idea what to have for lunch. Just like so much choice. For me, Pret was fancy because we didn't have Pret at home. Um, so the choices of sandwiches, and I'm not a huge like sandwich eater. Um, But then i go there and I'm like, oh, these are fancy sandwiches. Mm. Uh, So for me, just that choice, I'd spend most of my time thinking about what to have and then my lunch break would be over. Um, Weird having a lunch break when you work in TV, because I was quite regular because I was doing MTV News every day. So I kind of had this regular walking into work. I used to walk the canal to work from from my flat, um, go in, record, then you'd go and have your lunch and then maybe go and interview like 50
0: Cent or something, you know, it's normal. Reality TV was becoming a large part of your career. But as you said, it's also something that you really love. You enjoy it, mm-hmm. like, like... As, a, as just as a, a fan to watch it, yeah. yeah, as a punter. The whole genre, uh, of course, not excluding Love Island, mm-hmm. it, it is in some ways, it is a popularity contest mm. a lot of the time. Do you end up worrying about that? Do you worry about people's insecurities that are involved in it?
2: I guess I always just watched it myself as just a fan of different mm-hmm. shows. Same way I'm a celebrity and all that, and it's weird because I got my first big job from a competition. Yeah, um, it wasn't a it wasn't a public vote. It was um, we ju- it was. Do you know I entered the competition. Not really knowing what I'd done. <laughs> and I guess I lived in a world where when I started on MTV, when I got the job, like Twitter wasn't really a thing then. So if people didn't like me, I didn't know. Mm. Going back to being a kid, not knowing if I wasn't invited to the parties. Um, would I survive starting out now knowing if people liked me or not? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's I think it's tougher now. And I worry about the next generation. I have two younger half-brothers in their early 20s. And I'm like... Shit, it's hard. I feel I'm a bit older now and I can kind of, I've got my head screwed on. I've got my good people around me. I think if you're young and new and the first thing you do on TV, you're going to have everyone judge you and see what they have to say Um, straight away. I think that's
0: really tough, but I think it's new. You went from being a TV fan to finding yourself right in the middle of the UK media machine. Mm. How does the reality compare to what you expected? It's a bit shite.
2: Um, uh, (laughs) Why is it shite? Well, it's weird because I won a competition to interview people. So Mm. I I, I guess I had a different insight into it. Um, Like when I first started, I remember being one of the first people to interview Katy Perry Mm -hmm. and Ed Sheeran before he brought out A-Team, Katy before she brought out um, I Kissed a Girl. I remember like, this is a new American artist. And you kind of, and then I remember seeing from a different side, I mentioned I lived in Camden, I could see Amy Winehouse walking around. I remember going for my lunch in Camden Markets and sampling the food and seeing a group of men basically look stalking this one woman, mm. you know, with the cameras and the flashes and the lights. And I remember seeing it from the other side of the road, going, Jesus Christ, that looks shite. Like, yeah. I was always very wary of that. And I think seeing it from that side, because, you know, I won the MTV competition, had a job. I worked, I felt like I worked an office job. It was like Monday mm. to Friday. People weren't really that interested in me. Um, but I had this lovely job. And I think maybe when I got the I'm a celebrity job, I remember being asked by the press team, if I would do... They're like, oh, all the presenters, norm- all the presenters, not Ant and Dec, but, like, normally the um, the the backstage show, the girls normally do, you know, a shot at the beach. And I was like, what do you mean a shot at the beach? Yeah, And I said no to that. And I, I don't think they understood why I said no, but I said,
0: I said, if I ever... Is that one of those kind of controlled paparazzi yeah, not, things? Yeah, nothing, and
2: nothing against that, that's what you want to do. But I had seen the Camden set, and I was like, if I enter into that world I'm very scared that I won't be able to control it even at this is in my 20s I think I got that job in my mid 20s so you're in that world now well I don't I've never set up a pap shot I'm very Mm. anti paparazzi if it's outside going into my work if it's a red carpet I get it's my workplace it's outside my house it's not okay
0: have you had people outside the house I've had
2: people outside the house I've had papers announce I've had a baby before I've told people I had a baby Mm. Um, and that that I find a lot. And I, I also used to see how I was being talked about was different to how my male co-presenters were being talked about. Um, and But I feel like I gradually, this wasn't something that was sprung on me. I think now with reality TV, you can get very famous very fast. Mm. I was kind of that girl from MTV News that would pop up on the screen for a few minutes. And then I was, oh, the girl from the backstage show for I'm a Celeb. And then oh then Laura from this. And I, kind of, I think it kind of progressed slowly. Um, and then I got to a stage was where... Was that
0: kind of a line in the sand though when there was people outside the house? Yes. Yeah. And I
2: have spoken about that a lot. And and what really scares scary is when you don't see them. You just see a picture of yourself and you have no idea when that was taken. And it was just probably someone in a car sitting outside your house. Mm. That I don't think is okay. And that freaks me out because it takes me back to those days of Camden watching Amy Winehouse who was just getting on about her day. And, you know, I just felt like you want to protect somebody and you just have these people waiting for you to fall over or trying to get a picture up your skirt Mm -hmm. when they used to do that. I've had that. Um, Now they can't do that. But that was the time that we lived in. And it's only now at this stage, I'm like, oh, we can speak up and say that's not okay. Because just because it's happened to other girls in the past doesn't mean it's okay. Um, But it's hard. It's overwhelming. And now you have this online world that is moving and growing so vastly that we can't really keep up with it Mm. so I don't really know what way it's going to go
0: last year after your fellow tv presenter and your friend Caroline Flack took her own life you paid tribute to her on your five live show and in that you said you don't have to tear down someone to feel good about yourself Mm -hmm. and that was nearly two years ago How do you reflect now on how we all relate to each other? Do you think anything's changed? Sadly, no. Mm. I really don't. Yeah.
2: And that's hard Mm. because I think there's still a lot of anger in the world. And I think the press still tends to prefer to go with a negative headline. It's hard because you would hope after something as shocking that, you know, and something as horrific as what happened. If I can't even believe how long ago it is now. It still feels so fresh that some change will happen. But I sometimes, I sometimes have days of hope and I feel like, you know, we've got voices now. Social media can be a a dark place, but it's also a place of... Community and uniting and speaking up, yeah. and um, if I want to say something, I can put it straight up on my my social media, and I feel I have some control that way. But uh, the way we talk about each other
0: online is not okay. When you talk back on social media, and I, I find this interesting because mm-hmm. I never do. Does it affect you?
2: Do you think yeah, it does? Because sometimes yeah. I'm told, "Don't say anything," but I'm I like, don't say anything ever.
0: But then it just but, gets bigger but and bigger. Does it and bigger. does it still can you oh, it brush tr- it off or does it does it affect you? Depends. Sometimes it goes straight over me and I can just see it. And then other times it'll take me under for like a week or so.
2: It's hard because you're right, it does kind of open you out. And there's certain papers I refuse to work with. And because of that, they will come for me. And it's it's hard. <sighs> yeah. And it's hard because I'll refuse to do an interview with them because of how they've treated friends of mine in the past or how they've written about them and until they change or until they apologise or until they become better I'm not going to work with them but because of that I'm fair game and that's hard because it's exhausting and it's tiring but uh, if you don't stand up it's not going to get better and if you don't say something
0: change won't happen but it's just knowing what battles to fight. Thank you for talking about all that with me. Do you want to finish on something happy? Yeah Yeah Mushrooms, <laughs> not those kind. Just the raw kind from Waitrose. So now, now that you've um, led him away from his student days, what's the ideal date night food if you're having a night in? I I love
2: fish. Um, I, I'm not very. I don't eat a lot of meat. Um, I haven't eaten red meat since I was 15. But I think growing up in Ireland, mm. um, living by the sea. I probably took it for granted at the time, but we always have beautiful fish. Mm. Um, and I remember about two years ago, I went to the Galway um, Oyster Festival. We were shucking oysters and the mussels there are beautiful. So I love good seafood and Ian loves pasta. So together we fuse them together and it's seafood linguine. Quick, easy, once you've got good fish. Do you make it? Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot. But What's it's quite the technique? In there. Uh, See, also, you're going to laugh at this, or sometimes me and Ian will just have pasta by itself with a little bit of oil on it, a little bit of garlic and a
0: little bit of salt and pepper. If the pasta's good, then you can get away with that. Yeah. But not if it's dried. Actually, Ian likes the fresh pasta, but that's because it's quicker. Yeah.
2: Yeah. quick You don't have to leave it for as long. So yeah, you get good fresh pasta. Good, if the ingredients are good, it doesn't take a lot of time. So you just need good fish, good pasta, whip it in, a little bit of olive oil. He likes it spicy. Sometimes you put a bit of chili in there. Um, I like a little bit of spice,
0: um, but not as much as he does. And keep it quite simple. Nothing too creamy. I love it when you start talking about cooking together because that's when your eyes totally, it's your face fun. totally lights up oh, about your relationship I'm when you start thinking, talking thinking about the food. <laughs> Let's be honest, Grace. <laughs> <about. laughs> this episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Jack Claramond. The series producer is Leia Green, and the executive producer is Kathy Drysdale. Music and sound design is by Axel Gacoutier, and this episode was mixed by Sami Nanny. If you like comfort eating, please leave us a review. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss an episode. And use the hashtag #ComfortEatingPod to get in touch about the podcast or share your own comfort foods. I'll be back on Tuesday.
1: And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
2: Before Shopify, were you wondering where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform, supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha Cha-ching.